Hello and welcome to the Authors of Inspiration podcast. This is where we talk and learn from interesting everyday people who have done things that inspire us. I'm your co-host Dylan. And I'm Wyatt. I am the co-host of this show and to my right, uh, or the center, however, whatever perspective you're sitting at in your bedroom. Yes, my left. I mean, does it really matter at the end of the day? What is life? But anyway, nonetheless, this is Cole Sankey. Hello. Cole is a beautiful ginger head, about 5'9", 5'9", 5'8". Yeah, I'm, I'm not that tall Shouldn't yet. Shouldn't be that generous to you. Yeah. But this is a podcast about people and about their lives, and we figured before we had any guests on, we should take a whack at answering the question of what inspires us. Yes, and we also figured, too, we're going to be learning a lot from different people fact we just interviewed one i'm excited for you to listen to that um uh it'd be good for hopefully our audience for you guys the listeners to get to know us a little bit know our dirty little secrets and yeah. uh, the good things the bad things know what makes our other. heart know, know what makes our heart tick am i right exactly yeah we got a lot of ticks well what is this episode going to look like then dylan yeah so um i sent a text message out beforehand and told told and told us all to pick three things that inspire us and we're basically just going to go around in a circle and talk about those things. It could be anything from movies, art, cinema, personal people in our lives, people we don't know, places, really anything that has somehow informed who we are today. And uh, we're just kind of going to we're gonna, we're just going to go around and uh, talk to one another, listen to each other, and hopefully, probably learn different things that we didn't know about oh, yeah. us before. So I'm I'm excited. Me too. Me too. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, and I mean, I guess if since you asked, I'll I'll start with my first. I'd love to hear what it is, Dylan. Yes, I I mean I I feel like in some way, uh, John Foreman's on all our list. John Foreman is probably yeah, it's the collective, but yeah. only one of us can hold the crown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I was, gave it I to was, Wyatt. I, yeah, we gave him. We'll, oh, we'll man, let you Wyatt talk. Spoil mine. We let you talk about. It. I mean, you. I was thinking about it last. Like we're we're all musicians. And uh, and we all write and uh, and play music. So and uh, John Foreman's been a huge one. So yes, that, that's you know a given. But um, another musician that has meant a lot to me and definitely impacted um, my music today is uh, Joni Mitchell. Mm. Um, she's an artist from the '60s uh, slash '70s in a crazy time to be a musician, and her songs are phenomenal. Um, I recently. Uh, released uh, an EP, shameless plug. plug. Yes, thank you, Cole. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, her music um, definitely played a huge part in inspiring the what I did with that. Um, I I go with the stage name Dylan Masato, so you can check that out. But her writing is phenomenal, just honest, great metaphors. Um, she collaborates with a lot of people. Um, really, really fantastic woman great musician all around stuff so mm. that's that's my first one beautiful yeah that's awesome and i figure i mean let's go right to cole here all right i mean i guess piggy ba- piggybacking off of that we always have to piggyback oh yeah we always have as christians piggyback. we must piggyback we gotta <laughs> yeah. piggyback we gotta echo on your echo yeah yeah <laughs> you know and a word to that word <laughs> <laughs> exactly. and a word to that word's word um but yeah i think um like you talked about you know we're all musicians um I think something huge that's gotten me through um, a lot of hard times, you know, anxiety through, 
you know, death of loved ones, you know, to be really, I guess, morbid. But um, I think music is just such a huge inspiration to me. Um, you know, like you said, John Foreman, big artist. Um, that's the helped JF, me. the big JF. The big JF. Um, but, you know, I feel like for me, it's just music in a whole. You know, I, I can just relate um, to other artists and what they write. And, you know, like something Wyatt told me the other day was... Uh, Music and songwriting is such a vulnerable place. You know, you're really pouring your heart out when you write. Um, and it's so true, you know, like when I'm sure you can relate with this, um, you know, writing your EP and me and Wyatt trying to work on our own stuff. It's it's just such a such a vulnerable place. And, you know, you really, really can pour your heart out and let people like, you know, really know um who you are which it yeah. can be a scary thing definitely um so i'm sure actually i have a question for you i'm sure it was scary dropping your ep right like were you pretty nervous about it or yeah in some ways yeah because i the some of the stuff i was writing out of course it's very personal but i would much rather release a song a very personal song about my life than sometimes openly talking about it's talking about things hmm. it's oftentimes uncomfortable for me to talk about uncomfortable difficult things i think yeah for most people and and i i feel like i've spent so much time trying to learn from others and listen from other people's perspectives and and yeah just all this input but there isn't much of a chance to listen to myself and so mm. music writing was one of those places where I felt like I was actually able to hear my own heart and my own perspective, whereas before it would just kind of be drowned out by others. So that's been the joy in, of writing music for me. Very inspiring. Yeah, yeah, very, very, inspiring. very inspiring. Yeah, what have you found? So, Because you're, you're starting to write some stuff. Yeah, And you I showed am. me one last week. Mm -hmm. tell, me, tell me a little bit about that. So, I mean, it's going good. Um, actually later today I was planning on, you know, recording more of that and nice. trying to finish it up. Um, but I think with writing, what usually tends to happen for me is when I write, it usually comes from an experience or a feeling, you know, mm -hmm. it usually comes from a place of like, oh, why am I getting this feeling? Or, oh, like. You know, I'm writing a song right now, you know, about um, someone who has a hard time sharing their feelings and kind of suppresses them and, you know, trying to comfort them and be like, hey, like, I understand what you're going through. Like, I'm here for you. Like, you know, so I write from from personal experiences and just feelings that I have. Um, and I find it it's a good place for me to vent and mm -hmm. a good place mm -hmm. for me to really just open up and like you said it's 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 really where your your true heart shows you know mm, yeah. and where it, it comes through um so for me i think writing is a place to you know just show how i'm truly feeling about certain things so well yeah and for me i mean i've i've thrown my hatchet thrown my um money in the pot for songwriting for a couple of years now um and it's funny, um, due to the pandemic and due to 
just circumstances. I've been going to parks a lot more just to do work, even bringing my laptop and hopping on a uh, hotspot, just murdering my, uh, you know, <laughs> 5G, but you know, whatever. Hey, it's okay. <laughs> it's fine. Well, the world's ending anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. I don't want to be so, so, such a sadistic uh, minded individual. But <laughs> anyway, uh, as I like open up this book, you know, open up like my notebook to start writing, I'm instantly hit with like this feeling of, well, this already sucks and it's probably not good. So why don't you just give up, you know? And I like, like I try to, I, I, it's really hard for me to even push past the emotional barrier of wanting to express myself through music. But mm. as I've really, since, um, since quitting, um, my job in December and since the like last couple months, I've really been able to take this time, sit and push myself past that and what i found and kind of cool is hitting at this like the easiest way to get to what i'm trying to say is to try to explain what i'm feeling or what mm. i'm trying to feel mm-hmm. and so you know if if i if i feel how about or if i'm approaching songwriting with the emotion of feeling inadequate or you know with this feeling of not being good enough. Well, I'll just write about that. I'll write about mm-hmm. not being good enough because that's clearly the starting point of where I'm at with all this. And so, um, right now, there's kind of this. Uh, the song I'm writing is about kind of all of who I am, all of who I am um, trying to be. Um, feels like I. <clears throat> so I got distracted by the loud noise. Um, yeah. I also, I don't know. You you may be able to hear this, dear listener, but. There are, um, there's a, <laughs> it's the Wyatt's James's. family is, li- is watching WandaVision. They're, wa- they're watching it right in the living room. So if you're concerned about spoilers, like in the audio form, then <laughs> <laughs> definitely turn this off. Yeah. Hopefully <laughs> these mics are not picking it up, but there's a good chance they are because we're, we're hearing it on our end. Yeah. Um, and if it makes it, it just so you guys know a bit of a, a struggle in my own life is that my head uh, is, you know, of course, on the other side of the wall. But when I sleep at night, my head is about three feet from the television. Just, um, <laughs> you know strictly in nautical miles it's three Mm. feet from my head so it's uh it's a it's a pain but anyway what i was saying is it's like the the song i'm writing about is that like all of me feels a certain way about me and if that makes any sense it's like Mm. all of me is either in on who what i'm trying to do or what i'm doing or all of me is not in on it and so it's kind of this weird internal war of me not being not approving of myself mm-hmm. or me approving of myself and being like, Oh, stoked about what I'm doing and mm. a constant up and down on that. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, I've been writing a bit about that too, where one of the lines I enjoy it, but it was, I've been fighting with myself so I can be myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's a I good think line. it's funny. We're all kind of going that route. Cause yeah. one of the, like the big line in the song that I showed you was, I want to be set free, free from all of me. Mm-hmm. You know, free from all these internal lies that I'm being told or these struggles that, you know, I'm putting myself through, you know, because my mind is like telling me these lies. And so I just think it's funny that we're all kind of, you yeah. know, dealing with that right now. Which mm-hmm. I think that just takes me, uh, let's just go ahead and break the ice. Takes me in my first person. Y'all made me change the order, but that's okay. Uh, oh, John, sorry. No, it's all right. <laughs> yeah, I like that we're on the music track right now. Um, but it's John Foreman, of course. So lead singer. Of Switchfoot, uh, established ninety seven, something like that. 96. Dylan, ninety six. That was the year I was born. Ninety six, the year Dylan Legend was of Chin? born. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, um, Switchfoot um, is uh, eleven albums deep um, in 
you know, music. Uh, and then John Foreman also does some of his own standalone work um, and has worked with bands like Fiction Family. And John Foreman, I think, was introduced in my life through Dylan um, about, gosh, that was eight years ago now. Isn't that weird, Dylan? Dang, yeah. I like <laughs> our friend, like, I mean, we're younger, of course. So if there's any people that are, you know, listening in our maybe 40s, 50s, 60s, Maybe you're like, oh, eight, you're a friendship. That's not that much. But when you're <laughs> 21 and 24, having a friend of eight to 10 years is, you know, pretty significant. It's, that's yeah, most that's of your life. It's a long time. And we're still friends, you know? It's true. Yeah. We've gone I've through, we've gone through the, like three years, we've gone so. through the tragedies of Heritage Christian Academy. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, the powers of hell have nothing on us. Yeah. Dylan. <laughs> There's no match. <laughs> and my little brother, he's just, he's just a jerk. Yeah. He always tries to break us up and yeah. <laughs> we don't like just kidding. I love my little brother. Um, Miles, if you're listening, Miles, shout out to you. Yeah. But um, no, but with John Foreman, I mean, I think his, his voice is, is such a, such a staple in my life and has been the voice I've listened through, through some, like through, through, through life, you know? And it's like, I remembered the way I was feeling and what my life looked like when the album, where the light shines through drops. Um, mm-hmm. and then it's funny. I like, and then I can remember what I was going through in life when, um, uh, native tongue was released and the song, mm-hmm. the strength to let go and how that was the song that was such a, you know, I was like, I've been, um, the lyric, um, I've been holding on so long. Um, help me let go because I've been holding on for so long. And I think his lyrics have a way of, unlike any other really songwriter that I know personally, again, this is personal opinion, but of just completely just cutting through um, almost like the BS of life, you know, and just being like, yeah, like we're all struggling with this. Like we're all, we're all, we're all hurting. We're all broken. We, we all go through these things and it can feel so lonely, but look at like the song and look at like what I, what I go through. And I think he is just, his vulnerability has been such an inspiration in my life to be like, Oh, like, it's okay. You know, like, let me, let me take this baby step of courage. Um, even though that's all I can offer right now, let me take it and see where I can go with it. So John Foreman, ladies and gentlemen, John Foreman, we all love John Foreman here. We're all big John Foreman fans of this podcast. Um, I, so changing gears a little bit for myself another huge form of inspiration i i just love fantasy mm-hmm. the, just that genre as a whole and you might be going i i i thought maybe why it would talk about lord of the rings hey and you don't know you, where i've gone stop I don't, spoiling I <laughs> stop spoiling I, I my people folks i uh, well i didn't know we didn't have a conversation <laughs> about this ahead of time i just i'm just assuming but um my one of my uh favorite book series growing up was fable haven uh-huh. most people had harry potter um, growing up in a Christian home, I was not allowed to read or watch Harry, Harry Potter. Sent from Satan. Yeah, because I guess they <laughs> w- there's witchcraft in it, and so I picked Fable Haven, which also has witches. <laughs> <laughs> it's an off-brand version. It yeah, counts. exactly. Um, it's written by Brandon Mole, and I read this series actually. Uh, I reread it a few months ago, and um, it follows two characters, Kendra and Seth, where they are. Um, going over to their grandparents' house, but it par- turns out their grandparents are caretakers to fantasy creatures like centaurs and fairies. And in order to see them, you need to drink this milk that comes from this giant cow. And reading all that, it um, it's, it, I guess, filling my mind with all this imagination. Um, you guys probably don't know this about me. Maybe I've talked about it. Um, but I... I I've basically through since I was as long as I can remember, Fablehaven has definitely informed this. I've created 
a world in my head. Um, and I go there basically to help me fall asleep. So I'm a certain character and it's changed throughout the years. I still do this to this day where I'll be going to sleep. And so I've created this fantasy world. Sometimes it's been sci-fi, but this time it's definitely fantasy where I'm, I'm in my, in my head, my name is Gilgamesh. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds a little bit weird, but I'm <laughs> Gilgamesh and I have certain powers and I have a backstory and I'm in this world that has its own backstory. And um, whenever I'm watching a movie or reading a book, I tend to put myself as that character in their world. And so when I was a kid reading Fablehaven, I would put myself interacting with Seth and Kendra, trying to help them figure out the problems they're dealing with and even like causing some of my own along with them. And so um, I'm taking it even further, I've recently also started uh, uh, being a dungeon master. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was just I was gonna say that, Dungeons you know, you just bought one uh-huh. also set. from the devil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where I've I've played it before. I, I love the game, but I just started being a dungeon master, which means I'm essentially creating a world for other people mm-hmm. to play in. So for you music people, essentially what it is is like if you open up logic, you have this interface and then you have all these sounds that you didn't make them. You have like drum sounds, synthesizer sounds. And you use them and put them into your music. Hmm. And so to create whatever, however long the music is. So for dungeon mastering and creating this world, you're, there's this library of things that have already been made. But you get to take, you get to pick and choose from that library, the Dungeon Master Corporation, whatever it is, and put it into your story. And so for years I've had this thing in my head that just existed in my head. But now I'm actually creating it for other people to interact with and collaborate with, yeah. which that's been a that's lot really of fun. Cool. And Fablehaven, yeah, really cool. fantasy, I mean, talk about a very, very instrumental book in my world. I, w- I remember waiting in lines to, to get this thing. So it's great. Mm. But, but again, it's off-brand, so it's not demonic. It is not demonic because yeah. it's not it's Harry Potter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it. What it's called Fablehaven? Yeah. Well, it has the word haven in it. It's close enough to heaven. You yeah, know? Ha- yeah, yeah. Ha- haven. It also says ha- fable, which means it's not real. Exactly. Oh, so maybe they so should maybe a- they should put that in front of Harry Potter, the fake world of Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, not Harry fable, Potter the and fable the fake Potter. philosopher's stone. Yeah, <laughs> I have Harry since- Potter in the fake chamber of secrets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I've since uh, I haven't read the books, but I've I've since watched the movies, and I am a fan. But I wish I'm. I guess I'm bummed I didn't get to jump on that bad wagon when it was sailing yeah mm. that and uh chronicles of narnia i want to actually um my next audible credit when it hits my account next month is going to be the uh, 33 hour purchase of the chronicles of Narnia. Mm. yeah i have that actually in my audible i haven't listened to it but i plan i want yeah. to eventually it's, uh, it's, i i've never i've really never read the books of harry potter probably done i've probably read most of lion the witch of the wardrobe but i was probably like seven or eight so mm-hmm. excited to hit that Cole, uh, wh- why don't we? Why don't you share your second uh, inspira- inspiring point? I don't read, so that's all right. It's, but mine is not an books. author, just so you know. So, okay, but you, but you do you for the second <laughs> round. Well, here's a I, not an author, but I guess an author of education. Mm, um, probably wrote in some good man's manuscripts. Yeah. <laughs> so, man's. going back to, I believe eighth grade, I had a. A teacher by the name of Stephen Castro. I didn't call him Stephen, you know, because he's my teacher. I'd call him Mr. Castro. Um, but he was just a super 
down-to-earth teacher. He So a little backstory. Um, he was actually a substitute teacher um, for a teacher that had, I think it was, she either got pregnant or she, oh, no, no, no. She fell and broke her leg in class. Oh, that's um, worse. <laughs> yeah, pregnant uh, or yeah. hurting? Uh, let me think. Well, I think she was pregnant. Wait. No, no, she, she fell down. Fell in, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a different teacher. She's pregnant, but um, <laughs> so she fell and um, you know, hurt herself. Um, yeah, that's probably that. I don't, I don't know, something like that. Anyways, she was out of class for some reason for a very long time, and so you know, our sub comes in, Mr. Castro, and we were like, okay, he's gonna be here for like you know, maybe maybe a week, maybe two. He was there for the rest of the year and has been there since. So I don't know whatever happened to that other teacher. Sounds like he's not a sub. Yeah, not anymore. But anyways, this teacher was very, he was very influential to me because, you know, every class he would, you know, end the class with like a personal story of his, you know, because he's, he's an older guy, you know. And he just share his his wisdom, you know, from his from his life. And I'm not gonna pretend like I remember a lot of the stories, um, but I just remember him teaching me such valuable life lessons um, in life. And you know, he was just such a he was just a really kind guy, mm. and. Um, just to every student, he was always there, you know, like if you ever, I remember he would make it very clear that, you know, if his room was always open for lunch, you know, if you wanted to come in, talk to him or just chill, hang out, like his room was, his door was always open. Like if, if you know, let's say you're getting bullied or something, you can, he was like, hey, I'm like here, like come to me, like, you know, he was just that kind of teacher to where his door was always open, you could go to him with anything and I remember we had a few conversations just about life and he really had helped me through, you know, some tough times before, you know, I had like a mentor figure in my life or, you know, I mean, I'm only in eighth grade at that time. So, you know, being an eighth, eighth grader, I was like, I don't want to go to my parents, Mm. like, you know, that whole phase. Um, So I went to him and he just had helped me through a lot of tough times and he kind of shaped my I'm not going to say, well, I guess I could say personality, but he kind of shaped my my views on certain aspects of life and just, you know, through his wisdom, just gave me wisdom as going through, you know, middle school and high school. Mm-hmm. So he's, he was a super inf- influential teacher in my life. I think it's those people in our lives that I always, and this is something I've been recently trying to aspire to be, but not to take yourself too seriously. It's kind of like this goal that I've mm-hmm. had or this mindset I've had recently. Um, and it was actually um, something I wanted to like really intentionally dive into after um, in my kind of going away or give, you know, farewell letter from Cornerstone Todd in his uh, message to me said, I always appreciate that you never took yourself too seriously. And then I did some reflection and I was like, you know, that's the type of person I want to be. So it's kind of encouraging that this, you know, leader of, cornerstone church um gave this encouragement to me and it was mm. honestly in some way like a revelation because it's like oh i like don't totally always take myself too seriously and so i got something in life like those people that are like you know 
he could easily have just, you know, closed his door, just taught the classes, got the paycheck and left, you know, and exactly. asked for respect. But no, I mean, he, he, he just kind of came down. I mean, honestly, I, I kind of in, not to get spirit, spiritual with it, but kind of just like Jesus, he just kind of like walked with people and, you know, he totally. didn't come into a position of like, oh, I am the king and you will bow to you know he just he just walked with you you know he just sat with you and just did life with you you know and yeah and it was totally like you know the teacher got hurt he was supposed to be there for like a week mm -hmm. you know and now he's been there for yeah. a couple years and it's like you know i know he helped me and you know other students in that class out like a, a ton yeah um so i think that's super like powerful that like you know, he stepped into that role and you're, you're right. He totally could have been like, hey, I'm your sub, respect me. <laughs> mm -hmm. But he kind of came into a position of like, hey, like, I don't necessarily like, not like, let's be friends, but let's be friends, you know, because yeah. obviously he's in a position of, you know, authority because he is a teacher. Like he, he is going to, you know, have to lay down the law sometimes. But mm -hmm. he was also just like, hey, let's, let's be friends. Let's talk. And I think that was super powerful for me to, to learn as an eighth grader going through middle school and high school that, you know, there, there are people out there like that. Yeah. So there's some good in this world, Mr. Frodo. Yeah. <laughs> well, even like him being a sub, like, I mean, I'm not sub. I feel like the sub mindset. I'm like, I'm not going to be here for long. I'm just going to show up, play a movie and get those checks. But exactly. He, that's cool. He was actually involved. And he taught the class too. Like very mm. well, he was, it was history and Spanish. So I had both. Mm. So, okay. With him. And then, you know, I also set off a pen bomb in his class, but we don't have to talk about that. <laughs> I do want to hear about that afterwards. Okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I suppose if we're, uh, let's get back on the fantasy train. Ooh, all Dylan, right. Dylan, you, uh, you kind of, you kind of led way to it, um, but it is Lord of the Rings. Oh, I was right. See, um, we didn't talk about this ahead of time. No, we didn't. But I, I, can I you had guess a, his I third had a, one? Had a, what? Can you guess his third one? Yeah. See if you can, well, the actually, we, we don't even know the second one yet. Who do you think of the second one is? No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, the second one is um, J.R.R. Tolkien. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Author of Lord of the Rings. Um, man, I, Lord of the Rings. I first got introduced to it through the movies. So all of you true, true, true Lord of the Rings fans, you can excommunicate me from all your fandoms and everything. But mm. it was The Fellowship of the Ring. I watched it in our cabinet, Big Bear, um, late into the night, and I was like, "This is so cool." I like it's a bit of a spoiler, but when Gandalf dies in the first one, wink, wink, um, I just I remember sobbing, and so this whole introductory through Peter Jackson's incredible um, three movie series of the Lord of the Rings um, got me just immersed into this world called Middle Earth, and so. Um, I bought the books. I read the books. I was like, this world is so cool. Little 13 year old nerdy Wyatt was like looking at maps and mm. was, um, he, I, I, I got to stop talking about myself in the third person, but, um, I was, I would open <laughs> it's up. It's okay. Wyatt. Yeah. Dylan does it all the time. <laughs> I, yeah. Wyatt, Wyatt likes to look through maps in uh, Lord of the Rings books. <laughs> but I would <laughs> think that's very funny. And I would just study. I would just study so much about this world. I was learning bloodlines and essentially what I was learning, um, through this was, it's a little bit of a different route than you took Dylan, but I wasn't so much mesmerized by this fantasy that like made me want to get more engulfed into this world. It was the stories that, that he was able to tell. And I think what stuck with me was it's this tale of an unlikely hero. And it's, and that's a theme that will go like that will have gone with me throughout my life. It's this unlikely hero all the way along. It's this little, little hobbit 
who wants nothing more than just stay in the Shire, but gets entrusted with this ring and then has to go and destroy it. And just in some ways it's been my comfort through life. I'll turn to the movies, the different parts in different ways. Um, Sam's speech at the end of the two towers. Um, of course it's in the movies, but um, that line, there's some good in this world, Mr. Frodo, it's worth fighting for. Um, the wor- this world that is essentially middle earth, not our world, the world of the world of middle earth that is plagued by this darkness and is plagued by this doom um, that in some ways seems unavoidable. And I think that we can all relate to that in some ways. Like there's this pain in our life that's unavoidable. There's this um, trauma that's that our past is unavoidable. But um, for me, these stories, um, they gave me hope um, and they gave me hope for life will be hard, but like kind of, you know, take it back spiritually one more time, take heart. Like I've overcome the world. Like it's going to be okay. And so, yeah, these, the, I mean, these stories have stuck with me. Um, a quick little plug. I do not think the Hobbit movies are excellent. And I think that they are completely an atroc- atro- atrocious mistake from the I was book. I ask you about that too. But I do not blame Peter Jackson. That's my one plug. My one plug it is, and is it is not Peter Jackson's fault. Warner Brothers goes back to the st- always goes Warner back Bro- to the studio. Warner yep. Brothers and um, uh, MGM got their big old noses, you know, because Lord of the Rings at New Line Cinema comes along and like, you know what? Let's throw all of our eggs in this one basket called Lord of the Rings, and we'll trust Peter Jackson. And here we go, you know, kind of thing. Um, but then when P- Lord of the Rings blew up, you know, it was not Peter Jackson because. They're, the studios got greedy. They're like, hey, let's make three movies. Yeah. I mean, let's- they could have done that. I, I think today if it was, if Lord of the Rings had done, they probably would have split the last oh, movie oh, into two. Oh, 100%. Instead of the one perfect, beautiful masterpiece that it was. I think they could have even done a trilogy of trilogies. I think it could have, I mean, not that they could have, not that I would have wanted this, but if we were greedy studios, I think they could have done three movies for Fellowship, three movies for Two Towers, and three oh, movies yeah. for Return Oh, yeah, or it's probably going to be an, it would have been an HBO series or something Yeah, or something like, like that. Anyway, that had the movie, had it all come 20, 20 years later, but no, um, J.R. Tolkien creates this world, and I mean, that, and the world that he created is such a um, inspirational and almost, again, it gave me permission to be like, oh, the world's hard. Oh, there's going to be Mount Dooms in your life. There's going to be, there's going to be things that literally seem so hopeless, but like there's, there's an ending, you know, or there's like, there's a journey. And even just this idea of Aragorn coming back to the throne, um, and like this idea of redemption and just all of it is so good. It's and so, so good. Yeah. Anyway, that's my, that's my second guy. Yeah. I Jared do remember Tolkien. watching that as a kid, loving it. But the first time my little brother, when we watched it, he got, very scared of the orcs and started <laughs> crying and our uncle um started like dancing and like being all goofy to try <laughs> to get him to stop crying <laughs> but it was scary but he said he's also i mean Wyatt and my little brother are both fanboys together for we lord are. of the rings though i think Wyatt's probably more than him yeah but i take the lord of the rings cup and he takes the star wars cup and we this kind is of true oh we yeah yeah oh yeah yeah so well, let's uh, let's get into our final round. Yeah, we we got our final final picks for inspiration, and my final pick. It kind of relates to what we're doing now. Also, uh, is I'll just I don't need to build it up too much. Uh, Pete Holmes. <laughs> Pete Holmes. Pete, Pete Holmes. Holmes. He uh, Pete Holmes. He is a comedian. Um, he also is an author. Technically, he wrote a book. Um, he does uh, stand up. Um, he also has a podcast called You Made It Weird. 
and um, I, I I spend a lot of time. His his are pretty crazy. They, they, he has like three hour long conversations with people, so wow. he he gets he gets deep with them. But he has all these t- different types of people on, um, people of different backgrounds, beliefs. Um, I also love his when he's just talking with other comedians. I think he's hilarious. I'm also a huge comedy nerd. Yeah, I'm sure there's other people who are more so than me who know more obscure ones. But Pete Holmes, he's he's my. I actually just finished watching his show, which is why I picked him. Mm-hmm. But um, he's he was a huge inspiration to me to to want to start a podcast where he just he just like I said, it's three hours long. He just has a conversation with people and. I mean, these are talks he would have off air, but he just happens to have a microphone and and mm. lets it happen. And the places you're able to go in conversation and the laughs you get, the the low points, the learning, the growth. Um, I I just I love um, how he does it, and um, he was a huge inspiration for me to want to start this podcast. Mm. So Pete Holmes. That if you a, don't know who he home. is, check him I out. I actually don't know, really know who he is. I know the name. I, yeah, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to give him a look up. He is hilarious. Hilarious. Yeah, he and he also grew up going to church, hmm. and uh, was he he was gonna be <laughs> he was gonna become a youth pastor. Went to a Christian college. He has since uh, not left that, but he's he's the way he comes at faith is really unique, and um, I also really appreciate how he comes to faith and and God and life like his book he just came out with which i haven't read i want to is comedy sex god hmm. and uh yeah he's he's great hmm. sounds like a very interesting title yeah yeah <laughs> cool who's your man who's my man who's your final who's your final contender my final contender ranks. uh you know going going back to the the i guess author of education but this one's not really education this is you know author of physical education i guess um my freshman year football and baseball coach. Hmm. Uh, his name was uh, Coach Furlong. That's what I called him. Um, he was a guy who, you know, young guy. Uh, I think it was one of his, you know, newer years teaching. Um, he might have, well, maybe like five, six years. Not super new, but newer. Um, so this young guy that, you know, he would relate with all the kids and you know like but he also had that attitude of you're gonna learn respect mm-hmm. for me or through me um and like I feel like going into high school that was one thing you know my parents would um you know my parents were teaching me and I feel like as you know a normal teenager would I started getting like a little punk you know like i was i don't want to listen to you mom yeah i was like you know i why are you guys you know making me do these things and make me go to school mom yeah (laughs) i don't want to get up i don't want to go but um i don't know in a sense i was starting to lose respect and um i think you know coach furlong taught not just me but everyone on that team he taught us all about respect and i think he has shaped how I treat other people today, you know, along with my parents, obviously, because, you know, once I get past that phase of, you know, being a w- idiot teenager, you know, you look back and you're like, oh, yeah, my parents are trying to tell me that all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
you know, and the way he did it, obviously, you know, football, you don't show respect. You run four laps around the field. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I don't know. He's just, he's a person that I think has shaped how I, you know, try to respect every adult that, you know, I see or talk to. You know, I'm always, um, you know, trying to to be respectful to my friends, you know. Not, I mean, not just adults, you know, like the people around me, like, yeah, you know, I mean, like, like we're told to do love others as you love yourself you know like i think we're we're told to to show respect to everyone and i think that's something that he taught me very well and he's not he's not a well i don't know if he is but um he never taught me like biblical like you know like love and respect but i think he definitely put me on the path to learning it um cuz he taught me just so much about you know just how to treat one one another and so much about the a team you know cuz you know as christians you know like we are brothers and sisters um through christ and he taught us you know that we are on the same team in a sense so we are all brothers on this team and okay you may not like your brother but you're going to show him respect and you're going to love him cuz you're on the same team yeah and there definitely was a lot of you know team quarrels as any team. That's the way it goes. That's mm-hmm. the way it goes. Um, but, you know, he he tried to hammer that in our heads that, okay, you may not like your brother, but you're going to show them love. You're going to show them respect. You're going to back them up if, you know. Yeah. They, it might be hard. Yeah, it might be hard to. Yeah. But you got to because, you know, they're your brother on your team or a brother or sister in Christ, you know. So I, th- I think that shaped my ideals on, you know, trying to show respect to others and trying to be welcoming you know absolutely so yeah awesome. he was a huge inspiration for me it's very cool well let's close it out yeah last one can i guess yeah, yeah no guess. he's, he's got to get the okay. third one i feel i think i know it but i can be i wrong. really hope you do if not if it's not this i know it's high up there okay are you going to talk about creativity inc oh he's so good really my final person is ed, ed catmull oh got it president nice. of disney animation studios nice. and pixar animation studios uh, it was there. It's been with Pixar since the beginning, since the classroom A113. Um, yeah, Ed Catmull, he uh, was one of the key founders of Pixar, uh, worked with John Lasseter, um, Pete Docter, worked with Lawrence Levy, who is the uh, initial chief financial officer at Pixar. Uh, of course, the infamous, actually, no, the famous Steve Jobs. I don't know mm-hmm. why I was going to say infamous. I mean, he's both infamous. There's there's elements, but I th- yeah. I think his life is so incredible and worth worth learning about. Um, but yeah, Catmull published a book. Um, I want to say 2016. Um, don't throw a book at me if I'm wrong. Um, <laughs> but I think 2016 uh, called Creativity Inc. Um, this book, um, call me, call this blasphemous, but it is my second Bible. Um, I do a yearly reading of um creativity inc to keep me centered (laughs) um creativity inc is essentially the story of pixar and if you don't know the story of pixar if i can sum it up shortly it's basically the most unlikely victor the most unlikely king um was a tiny tiny computer uh graphics uh manufacturer in silicon valley like frodo yeah exactly i guess i guess there's a theme going on here Uh um but grew to become the premier animation studio um, 
that is unmatched by, I mean, there's not, there's not even a contender. Um, eventually was bought out in 2005 by Disney under the, uh, leadership of CEO Bob Iger. Um, but just the story of Pixar. Um, and I think what I'm hearing in all of our, if I can kind of make this assumption, um, but I think a lot of what inspires us about these people is their stories Mm -hmm. and it's, it's what Mm. they did in their life. It's where they went. It's what they did. It's the stories they told. It was the people they encountered. That's kind of the whole idea for this podcast is I'm sure we'll hopefully with the people we interview hear stories about just interactions with the most unlikely celebrities or stars or whatever it might be. But the story of Pixar is unlikely and it's incredible because it's people that believed in something and they mm. believed that they could tell this story using uh, an uncreated, untested software. Um, and the thing with Pixar is it's literally story after story of unlikeliness. There's one point in Toy Story 2 where they literally delete the entire Toy Story 2 film. Like uh, I, I, believe, I believe it was nine months before the release date, the entire story of Toy Story, the entire, all the work they done in Toy Story erased. One like intern or one guy ended up being the one that deleted it and they're panicking. It was and they're like, like on accident? On accident. Fired. Oh yeah. Gosh. He got and fired. It, well, no. Well, actually, I'm glad you said that. Ended up happening was a, one of the gals who was one of the key editor, uh, key animators ended up having the entire film backed up on her own personal computer that she took home while she was able to work, while she had just given birth to her kid. Wow. That computer, they joked, that was like rolled into Pixar's anime, was rolled into the studio on like a velvet, like <laughs> <laughs> they just walked it in so carefully, they backed it up. But the thing that's interesting though about that, Cole, is you said he got fired. He didn't get fired. The guy that didn't make that mistake did not get fired because the leadership at Pixar said, you know what? You didn't make a dumb mistake. You made a, you, you, what happened was just a mistake. It wasn't necessarily dumb. Even if it was a dumb mistake, they were like, we're not going to penalize you because we are literally, our entire goal of Pixar is to create a climate and a culture that accepts mistakes. Mm. And so if we don't, if, if we can, if we can demonstrate this at its, at its highest level, then we want to make sure that we know we, that we can create a culture that failure is not only okay, but it's encouraged. Mm. And so mm. uh, a small plug, Creativity Inc., buy this book, read it. Such such an influential uh, part of my life because I read it um, at probably one of the most, eh, I was a uh, president of Heritage. And so implementing Woo-hoo. that, it was wow. kind of like Home a fun, it was fun little test ground. I almost <laughs> called that the like the peak of my life. I don't know why I was about to call it that. <laughs> I it's mean, cool. we are starting a podcast, so maybe we yeah. <laughs> we've already peaked. Maybe we've that was already it. peaked. <laughs> um, um, but anyway, yeah. So Ed Catmull, the whole story of Pixar, do some research, learn about it. It's, it's intriguing and it's, and it's very interesting. So. Yeah, that's awesome. I remember when you and Miles, my younger brother, were going through that book together. And it's just changing your guys' life. Yeah. It's cool seeing how and just, that all I, happened. Yeah, having like a little like uh having like a little guinea pig of heritage to like yeah. test things out on. Um You guys shook things up over we there. We did. We shook things up and I, I uh, you know, they can say whatever they want about my presidency, but I've <laughs> I've been told it was a very good one at that. So I did not have sexual relations. I did <laughs> not have sexual relations with that woman. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm kind of cheating a little bit. But um, a fourth thing that I'm inspired by mm-hmm. is all our guests that we're going to have oh, 100%. on. I was I was gonna say that too. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think it's cool that we bring these people on. Um, 
not only to inspire whoever's going to listen, but also to inspire us. Oh, yeah. I, I think they're totally, you know. I think these stories are going to be like so intriguing. Yeah. And so interesting to like, learn I'm, about. I'm very much looking forward to this. Me too. And if you're listening now, um, uh, thank you for, for listening, by the way, to this part. Um, I hope that you're excited as well. Get excited. We got some great guests, some great spots over mm-hmm. the next coming week. So stay tuned. And uh, do is there anything else we want to add at the end here? No, that's uh, summed it up. Be All inspired. Right. <laughs> yeah, be inspired, y'all, and be the author of your own inspiration. There it is. Yeah. All right. That's we're, we'll work on that. We'll work on that. We'll catchphrase. work on that catchphrase. <laughs> but yeah. we'll see you next that's week. Pretty good.